Someone to talk to. Hey, baby, won't you talk to me? If you need someone to listen, you know you can always count on me. I can keep a secret. You can tell me what you want. Whisper what you're thinking. I'm never gonna talk. Cause I know that loose lips, they sink ships, and I wanna stay afloat. Not is ever broken Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Richard Sachs. I'm your host on Lost Arts Radio, and this is Lost Arts Radio Live Worldwide. And um, we have another treat for you this week, as we try to do all the time. This is our friend, Dr. Michael Christian, from outside of Melbourne, Australia, and Victoria there. And he was on last time not too long ago, and we talked about his unusual approach to ophthalmology and uh, working with the eyes to affect the whole body, which was very refreshing since... Modern medicine is still trying to figure out that it's not a bunch of separate specialties that make up the body. It's one whole organism that all works together. And so uh, what we thought would be nice to do for everybody tonight is, oh, and I should say also Michael, Dr. Michael works with patients and uh, consulting clients all over the world. So just because you don't live outside Melbourne doesn't mean that you can't benefit from his unique approach to eye health and body health and mind and consciousness health and the whole unit together. So in order to introduce further what Dr. Christian is actually doing, we decided to accept his offer of an uh, artificial synthetic appointment tonight where we have a patient come in and we see what would happen if this was a typical visit to Dr. Christian's office. And we're going to get into a lot of interesting stuff from there. So welcome, Dr. Christian, and um, thanks for being here. This should be really interesting. Well, the formalities being over, great to see you. And it's great to be back again. And thank you very much for inviting us back. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. So for people that missed you the first time, you know, for the new listeners, why don't we go over just a little bit of what's unusual about your practice and how you're approaching things that's not like every other eye doctor that people might go to see. All right. The difference really is, is that we're not just looking at eyes more or less in isolation, but we're looking at eyes as the beginning of focusing. And eyes are part of the brain and they're, they're outgrowths of the frontal lobes. And the thing is, is that the visual process takes up a quarter of body energy under normal circumstances. That's a huge amount. So when you think when light is coming into the eyes, those photopigments are being turned over at the speed of light. And so you can imagine the biochemical reactions that are all taking place and everything has to be in perfect sync. But when you think of how um, the traditional ways of connection on a mechanical level, like the hip bone is connected to the thigh bone. Well, I've gone to a new level of what I call quantum holographic. In other words, quantum standing for 
um, consciousness and holographic meaning the coherence of light. And everybody knows that laser light basically is coherent light. People more know it more in terms of usage for laser beams, for cutting things, or even YAG lasers for use in ophthalmology. But what I'm looking at is what is the body energetic? What is the field? How is that field of light? If we are beings of light, where the cornerstone is particle and the energetic is wave, how do we look at that complementarity when there is a superposition of that and when the actual particle becomes mass and then the waves become a field and then that translates itself into anatomy, which is the structure and the physiology is the dynamic of that. But then the field with the morphogenetic field that Rupert Sheldrake talks about is that, or even Bruce Lipton might even say, the epigenetics of the system. Now, if that field is in harmony with the actual physical, that's where, where I said earlier on before, the hip bone is connected to the thigh bone, while this in relationship with the eyes, where light comes in and hits the retina, sets off all the chromophores, which are the color pigments, but then that sets off what we call saltatory conduction. In other words, it's uh, action potentials along the nerves going all the way back to the calcarine sinus, which is the major area of the back of the head or the major area of where the sensation of seeing is based on physical principles of the brain. So what we're doing here is looking at not just that electrical aspect, which we can measure, but we're also looking at the quantum aspects of things, whereby the locality of the anatomy and the physiology is also coherent with the non-locality of the field. Now, this is a bit of a jump, a quantum leap, as much as that we tend to look at things in a linear way. But this is non-linearity with linearity. And when that becomes connected, the whole system is in focus. Now, it brings me back to a thought many years ago. I had a lady who came in and she had a spur on her toe. And it was very curious in as much that I didn't treat the problem, but I redirected the focus of her vision. Obviously, she came in predominantly for that. But what happened at the very end after I'd taken her through various things, the interesting aspect was that at the very end I said, wiggle your toe. And when she did, she just burst into tears. And she said, I can't believe this. The whole, it, it can move. And I, I thought I had to have an operation. Now, all I'm saying is, is that we tend to look at the mechanics in isolation rather than what are the energetics or the quantum, what is the field doing? And this is really new. And it's really fascinating because Einstein came up with the, with the statement that the field is the sole governing agency that affects the atom. Now, 100 years later, I come along and say, well, look, if you can focus the field... You can focus the body. Now, this sounds pretty outrageous, I know, because, look, there are lots of people who work in the mechanics of things, and I'm not saying they're wrong. They're right. They know their field. They know what they're doing. They're very good at what they do, and that's great. But I'm bringing the complementarity, and that complementarity is how that field becomes phase coherence. In other words, it becomes in time with the mechanics. And when that happens even when there are various injuries or people have various different things and 
They go to their respective practitioners, whether physiotherapy or um, um, physical therapists is what you could call in the, in the US or whatever. But if we bring, even for the teeth, for example, like some people, they go and they get their orthodontic braces mm-hmm. and their mouth jaw is all tight, that temporomandibular joint is in a very um, very tense array, for want of a better way of saying it. And then when you put the respective lens and prism in front of the eye, then all of a sudden that jaw starts to manoeuvre itself. It's more labile, it's more relaxed, it flows, and you think, how is that possible? It's not on a physical level, it's on an energetic level. So, you know, I call this octodontics. <laughs> you know, there are various names yeah. that you have to make. <clears throat> I, I want to ask you two questions about what you said, and I, I, I don't like to interrupt the flow of your information because you've got more than enough to go for the whole show with no irritating interruptions from me. But I just want to stop it at certain points to clarify and maybe ask a question that's implied out of what you said. So two, two things, for example. One is you mentioned particles and waves, both being... Um, part of your view of how the whole field and light works together. And that makes sense to me. But I know that in typical conventional physics, they, t- they say you must choose. You have to either look at light, for example, as particles or look at it as waves, not both. And I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that that's because the math doesn't work if you try to do both at once in the current systems of math. But if you're going beyond those and just understanding the whole, then you don't care whether that math works or not because it relates to real life. That's one question. The other one is that since the body is basically a hologram and it's part of a larger hologram, and part of the definition of that is that in a true hologram, any particle of it has the whole inside of it. And if that's true, could mastering any part, like the eyes, for example, but also any other part that looks ordinary, but it has all this embedded in it because it's a hologram, could that allow you to affect the whole body by choosing any part and totally mastering it? Would that make sense? That's true, because if you take a holographic plate, it looks like a raindrop plate. It looks like splotches all over the place. So if you break it and it breaks up into charts, if you shine the laser beam through it, you're still going to get the same image. Whilst if you have a normal photographic plate, if you break it into, if it breaks into charts, it will not be like that at all. You'll only get one little part of the image. Now, the word hologram or holos means entire complete in the Greek, and the gram is the picture. So you've got the big picture, but you've got the small You've got the micro and the macro all in one. And I think, and this is the same in our physics, we are very caught up in potential energy on one side and we have kinetic on the other, but we don't have the expression for the two working as one in a state of flux. But flux can mean different things to different people. I talk about positive flux, meaning that the stability of the system is there, but the springboard for new possibilities is also there. And that those two, even though one is keeping a stability, hence a constant velocity, but the other one is an acceleration, hence the change of time. And it's funny, you know, it's distance over time is velocity, distance over time, over time is acceleration. 
I make a little quip where you have distance over time, over time, over time. That's acceleration. It's almost as though, whoa, what happened then? It's, it's going from a system that is in a state of habituation and is so used to it being that way that um, from one moment down to the next, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, boom, it changes and mm-hmm. there's a surprise or even a shock. How did that happen? But it's, it's bringing that person to that point of threshold that that can happen. Now, you're talking about the math, which you're talking about before. Look, there's a lot of amazing mathematics, but it's looking, and, I, and look, I'm not a mathematician other than I look at myself being more, more of a non-numerical mathematician. I'm looking at the patterns, what's emerging, what's flowing, how's it connecting, and how is it, how's it interacting in as much for what's the habit, which is, which is what's the normal or the habituation. But as a person ready to change, you can't force that change but you can, you can facilitate that person to come to a point of threshold and when they're ready to change their sovereignty of being who they are and then what they do from that takes place. So I look at the qualitative equation with respect to this, which sounds quite interesting, B plus do equals flow. The stillness of the being, think of a runner who's running, the stillness of the torso of the body, but yet that torso is a shock absorber, yet a springboard for the arms and legs to move forward. And once that's in total phase coherence, you, you look at Hussein Bolt. He bolts straight through. He, he knows because he is so much in the stillness of his being, but yet in the dynamic of his doing. And so I look at how stillness of being and dynamic of doing connect. And that I call holokinesis, holographic kinetics. Okay. And when that's right, then you have the potential and the kinetic in phase coherence with each other. And when because, you use the word coherence, that's really important to understand the meaning of it. And, and you're using it as if, you know, we definitely know what that is. But in a way, the whole question to make this all work is to define coherence and how to get it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think that that has got to do with time, but not time linear as in a watch. But this takes us into, and here's another quantum loop, into the scalar realm of what Nikola Tesla speaks about. And he talks about time waves, which are scalar waves, they're longitudinal waves. Everything in our normal society of 3D space-time, the depth, the width, the height, and the time, the linear time, is all in relationship to that. But when we go the other way, time-space, time becomes multidimensional. And that multidimensionality then becomes a potentiality of possibilities that if at the right time in our linearity matches that potentiality in the nonlinearity of the, the column of presence of being, boom, the whole thing comes together. Now, here's an interesting thing for those who like math. E equals mc squared, that's Einstein's um, his famous equation. He didn't actually write it that way, but anyway. The important thing is, is that the scalar equivalence is E is a change of time, c squared. Now, if you think where everything is transverse, what we measure, and that longitudinal, and they come into coherence at that point, so it's like a cross. So there is, as, as, a, as a hologram, or as a fractal, when they meet, 
because longitudinal waves, they are they rarefact and they contract. In other words, they expand and they and they compress. Now, if you take E equals MC squared, E is a change of time C squared, the complementarity of the mass to the change of time, if you change time, now think of Einstein's relativity equation. You change time, you're going to change the mass. You're going to change how the whole, not just the mass, but its dynamics in the space-time of what we have. Now, I don't do the math, but I'm sure there are mathematicians who would be excited to do it. You know, I look at the patterns, as I say, but the patterns show themselves to me every single day. So this is why I find this very fascinating. So, so the e, e equals mc squared equation that you're using to dis- explain this, if I understand that, just for the viewers to see if I'm right here, E is energy, M is mass, C is the speed of light. So the energy, the, the energy that is hidden in a little particle of mass is real a lot because the speed of light is, is 186,000 miles per second generally. And if you square that, that's a big number. So what that's, what that's really saying is that every bit of mass has this unbelievable amount of energy hidden in it, right? It's, it's huge. But then the other aspect is, is that where Schrodinger, I mean, not Schrodinger, but Heisenberg talked about his uncertainty principle, the quantum uncertainty principle, what that's talking about, can you measure the velocity and one's point? But then if you can do that, you don't know where it is in space relative to it. So there's the uncertainty. You can measure one thing or the other. I talk about a certainty principle at the right time and the right place. The whole thing comes together. It changes. Now, Heisenberg was talking about the electron cloud, basically. I'm talking about where the protons and the neutrons are. So if you have that complementarity between the uncertainty and the certainty, you have all these things all happening all at once in milliseconds, microseconds, nanoseconds, whatever, in such a manner that if the coherence, and it comes back to this, becomes coherent, that uncertainty and certainty start interrelating with each other. Unfortunately, with uncertainty, we tend to put an emotional attachment to it, so we, we back off from it. That's in psychological thinking. But if we look at the uncertainty as a presence that is a potentiality, that if we facilitate that uncertainty into the right time and place, it will show its it shows its treasures. Okay. So, so, so a question about that. You're talking about the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which, if I understand it right, is that if the way the math works, and it's based on that. I don't think it's based on him looking at where electrons are. It's based on equations, and he was yeah. saying that. If you can do an equation to, to narrow down the location of a given electron that's whizzing around the nucleus of an atom at near the speed of light, and you can mm. pin down a location, then there's another variable that you can't identify. That's correct. You can't identify its momentum or its velocity. Right, and um, vice versa. You can't tell its position right. if you tell the other thing. That's right. But that's all coming out of equations. What if that's not really the reality? 
And if you throw out the equations, we, you know there is a mass, there is a velocity, there is a location to any given electron at any time. And why should you assume just because of an equation that you can't know all three? Well, the, the, the equations are just models at the understanding at that given time. Right. So here is the commentary. The commentary is... Our ground of being is not subatomic particles, mesons, leptons, muons, whatever ones there are, and leading up to electrons and protons and neutrons. The ground of our being is consciousness. Yeah. And we're now touching into that. Now, the thing is, is that our models so far are very much determined in relationship to the measurement of things, the quantification. That's all valid. It has its place. But we've gone so far with that that we're not looking at the qualities of things. And to a certain degree, the qualities of, let's let's say a word like love or joy or gentleness or meekness or goodness, you can't put a number to that. But it's there and we experience them. We have those as feelings and we're not a bunch of mathematical equations. Sure, there are stochastic models that try to simulate how a person is going to respond, but that's only based on the input of the algorithm that is brought forward. But it doesn't mean to say that that's how that person is, and that's the thing with AI today. Everything is based on the linearity of the equations that people put. And a then lot of assumed can... limitations, basically. That's right. Now, here's the other aspect, and that is the consciousness. It's a consciousness of infinite, infinite possibility. And that infinite possibility is one whereby it can bring the whole system into a state of oneness. And when that happens, and particularly with with a client slash patient, and all of a sudden, wow, it's not just the clarity of vision, but, oh, I can hold my head easier, or my body feels more relaxed, or I'm breathing deeper, or I've got better motion, or that pain in my shoulder has disappeared. Mm. I'm not saying I'm a problem, and I'm not trying to usurp another one's um, expertise, but what I'm saying is, as I said earlier on before, eyes are just the beginning. You're starting here and focusing, and that quantum leap, that jump, whether it goes from top to toe, starts to connect up. And once it connects up, then there is ease. There is no unease. There's no disease. Since all the equations have implied limitations compared to actual reality of consciousness, how do you use all this esoteric stuff that is going to be seem? really complex and maybe overwhelming to most of the viewers. How do you transition from that to what you do when somebody walks in and how does it help you? And this is the point. This is where simplicity meets complexity and upon revelation it all unfolds into intricate simplicity and what's that? That's elegance. So what I'm saying with that is is that what I said in the previous show, I talk about the construct the quantum holographic construct, and what does that do, or what is it? Now, if you think of light in terms of just physical terms, is that on one part it's electrical, and on the other part it's magnetic, and those two are orthogonal or at 90 degrees to each other. That is not just fixed in space. That's not just locked in. That's just a stationary diagram as an example if you just drew across on a piece of paper yeah. but this is fluctuation and oscillation not just in isolation but 
We can't even count them. Quadrillions, trillions, gazillions. Like, you know, it's funny, you know, people say, well, what's a trillion dollars? Well, if you spend a dollar every second, it will take you over 32,000 years to spend that trillion bucks. And it's far, far beyond that. You know, we don't know. And that's the infinite, that's the infinite realm which we are now just starting to, for want of a better way, starting to, well, I wouldn't say just starting now, but we're exploring it now. But to bring it back to simplicity, how do you bring simplicity where a person says this or a person says that and you, that leads you and that's the quality of the words that they say to bring it to a number of a prism or a lens to place in front of a person, not that that's just the magic bullet, but it could be in the first instance or you have to go through a sequence of processes of lenses and prisms to a point whereby everything connects up in a new way. I, I hope that answers your question. When you're putting lenses and prisms in, in front of people's eyes to tell you what they see by looking through them, is this to tell what kind of glasses to give them? Exactly. Okay. So this is a qualitative come quantitative process. And this qualitative come quantitative process is one whereby I'm listening to their subjective responses. I've also got protocols that are working with that but at the same time, I'm not fixed in protocol, but rather that protocol will shift itself according to when it needs to change. So in other words, we're locked in, but we're, we are in, in flow. And that's where I say the being, the structure, is coherent with the doing, the dynamic in the space-time. Okay. So should we try to show people how that applies when a person, actual human being walks in? Absolutely. Let's have some fun. And this is the whole point of this. Yeah. You know, this is serious in one level because people come in and they have issues and, and we all do in our different ways. But do we look at them as heavy or do we look at them as light? Excuse the pun. But we look at it in such a manner that we facilitate the possibilities rather than looking at the problems in isolation. We look at the problem, spin it the other way, that it becomes a possibility that I call confrontation. And the confrontation means that the problem, the energy's there, but then spin it the other way, then the energy becomes all integrated into the person. And once that happens, that person knows. I don't have to tell them. They know it. They're experienced. Okay. So, so since the first part is going to be your patient telling you their symptoms and what they're, what's bothering them, can we make the sound work for her also so that we can hear what she says when she comes in? Absolutely. So I haven't put AirPods in today. So you'll be able to hear what she's saying too. Okay, so, so great. I've made that absolutely specific in that respect. So, Susan, Perfect. would you like to say? And yeah, you should in- introduce Susie first. All right. Well, Susie lives locally here in Point Longsdale, which is part of the borough of Queenscliff. And um, she was very kind at the very last moment to jump in because uh, a friend of mine said he could come, but he couldn't make it at the right time. But Susie's just done that. We've known Susie over the years. She used to teach piano for our daughter. And, yeah, she brought it to an amazing level, which is really, really good. And music and light are definitely related. Yeah, absolutely. So the harmony of the music with the coherence of the light. Let's see what right, we can exactly. do. Exactly. Thank All you, right. Thank you. Okay.
Would you like to take the passes off, Susie, please? Now, we're going to do this, as we've, as we've said, as a simulation. We're not going to do the typical eye test, but we'll do parts of things. And what we want to look at is the other qualities of how vision affects the body in terms of its posture, its balance, its movements, its feeling, all these qualities that all become connected with the quantities of the actual lens and prism which we put in there. Okay. Now, I'm going to pop this headset. I've prepared it, so I need... Yeah, that's all good. Here we go. So what I'm putting on is what I call affectionately the quantum tiara. It doesn't look anything. Have a look, come forward, so people can see what it looks like. It's great. So what we put on you. Now, yes, standing there. Now, very simply, how has your vision been over this last period of time? Just simple questions. Has it been good or bad? Or... Uh, a little bit of fluctuation. A bit of fluctuation. But I'm managing. Good. Okay. So in terms of is it more distance or is it more near or is it a combination of both? Or what would you say? Um, oh, gosh, good question. But a combination. A combination. Yes. Okay. So what we have is the spectrum of distance and near, and what we want to look at is that there is a balance and stability with that, but it's not just the eyes. Now, in typical eye tests, people will look at this fixed gaze, black and white chart, no depth, no colour, no space, no movement, one eye done, one eye done, and we have two eyes that are seen perfectly under those artificial circumstances but it doesn't give you a big picture. Now, as you've noticed in the room, as I call this, the salon got deep, the, mm-hmm. the optical salon. Susie can look out the window there. So there is depth, there is color, there is space. So she's not relegated just to the chair, the fixed exactly. chair. Instead. Okay, and what she's looking through now is no lenses, right? Just holes where you could put lenses on if you want to. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So let's do this simply. Now, I want you to move your hands forward and back like that and looking outside and just think how it feels on your vision. Does it feel lighter, looser this way as you look outside or palms towards you now or is that lighter, looser that way? Good. So what I'm doing is I'm connecting up vision with body to see and based on these what I call holokinetic movements, holos and complete the movement, kinetic how the connection between eyes and body are interacting. So I'm in the right lens straight away, and she says they're great. She might say, no, don't like them at all. So that's okay because you have to start off. You're going to ask questions, see if the answer's right. If it's right, we move on from there. If it's not, we ask the question in a different way. That's Okay, got it. So does one eye feel different to the other, Susie, or do they both feel good, or what do you think? Uh, They don't feel different. They don't feel different. Good. So I'm going to pop these lenses in. Okay. They're 0.25 plus 0.25. Let me ask you you one quick question first. Um, When you move your body, like your hands or anything like that, or your arms, whatever you're doing, is it true as you would intuitively maybe think that movement raises alertness and it might make vision clearer by itself. That can happen, yes, and it depends upon whether a person's more in a responsive or a reactive phase. Now, some people are in fight and flight, and other people are quite, well, I say this in the best of terms, vegetative. They're calm. They're very, very relaxed. But okay. every person 
difference. And there's a sliding scale of that depending upon what's going on in okay. their lives at that Great. Thank you. So, that, that was a pleasure. I'm going to pop these in. Does that make things feel easier or harder or more relaxed? Uh, easier. Easier. Mm-hmm. So what I'm essentially doing is asking questions of the body rather than just looking at the optics in isolation because I want to connect vision, mind, and body to be right, connected. Because with- most optometrists would say, or ophthalmologists would say, can you see the window clearer now or not? And you're saying easier. That, what does that even mean? Does it feel easier? What it means is, is there a state of ease? Is there a fullness in that ease? Okay. Is there a in that ease? That's the quality I'm talking about with respect to the quantity. Is, it like, multi- is it like asking whether it makes you more relaxed when you put those lenses on? Correct. And we want the person to see, see, and seek. In other words, it's clear, it's comfortable, and it's coherent. Because if it isn't, it could be clear, but it hurts the eyes. Or it could be comfortable, but can't see correctly. So you want that connection. So I'm going to continue doing this going up and down 0.25 steps. That's the unit of diopter. And I'll I'll put more in. Now, Susie may like this or she may not. That's the one. That's the two. Is that more comfortable, clearer, or is that more comfortable? That's more comfortable. So she didn't need the extra. And now we're going to pop this one in. More comfortable, more clear. No. no. Good. Now, the interesting thing is the lenses which I'm using at the moment are spherical optics. And we're assuming that the cornea and the eye are in a state of even distribution. In other words, that the symmetry is the same. I'm just going to check if there's any astigmatism or uneven curvature of the eye. So I'm going to use what's called a Jackson cross sill. And this is a special instrument that gives us information about whether or not there is any residual astigmatism. Stigma is the Greek word for point. Astigmatism means you're not forming the point focus. Now that's one. That's two. One. This one? The one. And that's at 90 degrees. And that's one. That's two. Or the same. Two. Two. And that's at 45 degrees. So there may be a possibility of astigmatism here that is needed to be corrected. Do you like that more or do you like that more out? Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit better. It's calmer. Now we're going to refine that and get the right angle. One. Two, two, one. That's one. That's two. One, two, same. Pretty much the same. Beautiful. That's one. That's two. Or hard to tell. Not much difference, is there? Uh, Sorry, do that again. Two, one. Uh, Two. That's not perfect. Yeah, that's. That's better. Yes. Okay. So we're doing an extra 0.25 cylinder. Do you like that more or do you like that more out? Or it doesn't matter? No, it doesn't really matter. Good. Now, as you've noticed, we've kept both eyes open mm-hmm. because we're making sure that even though one eye is being worked on, the other is aware of what the other one's doing. Now, there are various laws in, 
in physiology, Sherrington and Heron's, Heron's Law. I won't go into those, but they look at that interrelationship. Now, is that easy the one or is that easy the two? Two, one. Two. One, two. One, two is better? Two. Good. Three, four, much the same. Yeah, three is, three is better. This one? Mm-hmm. Good. Good stuff. So if I pop that in, how's that now? Yeah, That's much better, isn't it? Yeah. Do you like that more one? Do you like that more two? That's pretty much the same. Good. Two, maybe a little bit better. Two, slightly better. Mm-hmm. That's two. That's one. Or hard to tell. Two, two. That's all right. Two is a little bit better. That one? Mm-hmm. That one and that one. Or much the same. Much the same. Good. And then let's do one more thing and see how the rocks. We're going to look at a higher level because what we want to do, we go up and down, we check for false positives, false negatives, just to make sure. And that's just our baseline, what we're starting with. Because we haven't started the work with prison yet. Do you like that more? Yes. Good. So that's gone higher up at the moment. And I'm going to pop this one in. Now, this is looking at an extra plus 025 on the eye, which has the high correction for astigmatism for, to balance it out if it's meant. Do you like that more? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? That's good. I'm going to drop that one back in, back to 0.25 for the spherical. Now I'm going to take that out. Is that easier? No. Okay, so that's good like that. That's good. Good. Now we have a baseline for the lenses, and that's where most optometrists would stop at that particular point. Okay. This is where we go from the eyes to the rest of the body. One, so one what, clarification question on the lenses. Um, you were emphasizing that you're leaving both eyes open and that you're taking the lenses that will make both eyes work ideally together. Is, is that a choice one way or the other? Can, do you have to choose either lenses that make both eyes work ideally or will that compromise when you have to look through just one eye or the other? In other uh, words, that's, is it that's different? That's a very good question. Uh, that depends on how the so-called hard wiring of the brain has been used to. Now, that can change with time if someone has been stuck in a pattern for a very long time. Like I had a gentleman many years ago, he said, I love your glasses, Michael. I said, why is that? He said, look, if I look at my, through my individual eyes, um, they're not as good, but together it gives me the best picture that I've ever had. Mm. So, and that was only seeing that gentleman once. But when I've seen people um, consecutive times, I've noticed that there has been a neuroplasticity. In other words, how the nerves of the eyes change to rewire over a period of time. So, so would that, would that make it so that if you optimize the two-eye view, that the single-eye views would also be increasing behind the scenes? Absolutely. So I talk about two eyes but one vision. Okay. And, that, and when you think that these are, the, these are the entry points of what's going through the brain, this is just the beginning, just like the mouth is just the beginning for digestion. If the eyes are just the beginning for vision, there's a whole lot of other things all going on, but we want to make sure that that is balanced with all the rest going through. 
And then now we're coming to the point of, right, how's that affecting posture, balance, movement, even thoughts or feelings or emotions? It depends. Look, and I don't go through a fixed protocol with every person. Everyone's unique. So I'm not going to say, right, we're going to rigidly do this or rigidly do that. No way. We want to make sure that it's as easeful, not putting stress on someone, but rather as supportive so that that person feels, yeah, this is good, this is balanced, this is connected, this is clear. Okay? Okay. As you're standing, I'm going to bring you forward. Perfect. Now, I'm wondering whether or not we come over here. I'm just going to move you across. Good. Right. I might just move this, just pop this down a bit so we can actually look at the movements with Susie. Good. Now, I'm going to get you to turn towards me. That's good. Now, as you're standing, do you feel balanced, grounded, light? Or do you feel... That's it, yeah. Do you feel balanced, grounded, light? Or do you feel wobbly, heavy, drawn forward, pulled back? Good. A very gentle side-to-side rock. So we're rocking from the ankles, side-to-side, and then a very gentle forward-back rock from the ankles. Is it lighter, looser, forward-back or is it lighter, looser, side to side? Side to side is lighter, looser. Now, is it easier to your left or easier to your right? It's easier to the left. It's easier to the left. So what I'll do is look at putting a prism, and I'll show the viewers what a prism is. So this is a huge amount of prism. As you can see, it changes the position in space. Now, there's the base. And there's the apex okay. of that. Now, I'm using microprisms or tiny little amounts of prism. So we're not using anything as big as that. Now, Susie said it's to the left, so I'm going to work on the same side, on the ipsilateral side. And I'm going to pop this in. Now let's go side to side again. And then let's go forward and back. How's that feeling now? Is that lighter, looser? You've got more amplitude. Mm. Do you feel yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Did you notice that, Richard, that Susie's got more amplitude of movement? Yeah, I can, I, can, I can see she's leaning farther at front and back, mostly forward. Now, of course, these aren't natural movements in a conscious way of doing things. Oh, then you Michael Jackson when you move right forward, you know, it's famous. Yeah, well, he's got little things on the shoes that make him able to do that and helps a lot. So what I'm saying is that these are part and parcel of subconscious automatic actions when we get up or move to the side or forward and back, and you don't want a person to be thinking about that. It's just in phase straight away. You see, subconsciously. Right. So the automatics of the subconscious through the command of the conscious thinking, right, I want to get up, do this, do that, and then just do it automatically rather, oh, I hit my hip on the table or something like that. Okay, so forward and back again. Now side to side. Now, are they more similar now? Yes. Good. Now, that's from the lower part of the body. Now, let's do it higher up. Let's swing the arms nice and loose, forward and back. Now let's move the arm side to side. Now, all these motions which I've developed or 
been able to discover over the years are based on that construct that goes forward and back, and I mean side to side, up and down, and even forward and back. So even though all these movements are torsional, because of course this is going side to side, but my arms are in different positions, whether it's the upper breaking or lower breaking, you see what I'm saying? But the overall the overall directive is in that direction. Now up and down that's one feel easier to do. The up down. Good. Now we're going to pound down. This is giving a directive where the prism may go. And now I'm going to do a palm up. Which of those do you like more? Oh, surprisingly, up. Up. On both sides? Or is one side better? Mm-hmm. Just try. The left is more up. That's good. So what we're looking at is the flow, which I said earlier on before, of the being and the doing. And if the flow is better, we engage with. In other words, we don't go against, we go with. So Susie's given me the information about which is better. So it's the left arm that's better. So I'm going to give, and it was palm up, so the orientation of the prism is base up in this case. The body is telling us what's happening. Now, with Susie, it seems very straightforward. With some people, they'll tell me that, but it may go the wrong way. And so then I have to look at, okay, where is the mismatch of the conscious and the subconscious? Once that's done, we find that in complementarity. But once that's done, the body will fall into its correct posture, balance, and movement. Okay. So one, one more now, point of clarification, too. Um, you're talking about a prism which is a lens that is not uniform in all directions. It's, it's uh, thicker on one side and thinner on the other side. And does, does that mean that you're going to use prisms instead of standard lenses in the glasses, potentially? It can be a combination of both or more one than the other. Because this is a whole new dimension, right? Mo- most optometrists never use prisms for anything. Very rarely, very rarely. Okay. Very good. But I'm looking at the prism as redirecting spatial context with respect to what is being looked at. So when, timing, what, the detail, where the context are matched, then the directive of timing, hence the scalar, how the quality of it all connect up. And once they're connected up correctly, that person is in a state of ease, not unease. And and you really couldn't do anything with this feedback unless you had the the tool of prisms to use for lenses. Because if they told you all this detail and all you had was a standard lens, it it really wouldn't help too much, right? Well, the standard lens is circinate prism. Um, That's a term I've made up. Because if you take a standard lens, and I'll show what I mean by that, but before I do, Susie, how's this? Just one thing. this is pressing on my eyelashes, which is distorting the vision. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> you see, practicalities are just as important. Right. So, how, how does that feel now? That's nice and loose. And how's that now? Are they nice and balanced? Yeah, pretty balanced. Yeah. Pretty balanced. So, before, it was the left arm that felt lighter. Does the right arm feel lighter now? Yes. That's good. You see how 
I've affected on one side with Susie in terms of her left side is now affecting the right side contralateral so that both sides are working connected to each other so much more easily. So the bilaterality or, or both sides of the body are more connected. Now let's go side to side again. And are they more even? Yes. That's good. Yeah. And now we go into breath as an example. But before we do, I just wanted to show you. As you can see, this is a minus lens or for myopia. As you look at it, it's a meniscus, but it dips right into the center. Mm-hmm. This one is a positive lens, and, the min- and the min- it goes a thick there. And as you can think of the prism before, but it's, it's going around 360. In this case, it's going around 360, but on the periphery. This is going around 360 at the base in the center. And most, so, mo- most standard lenses, I assume, are convex like that, right? That they sell in the store. Yeah. Well, so this, this is a new, another new dimension that you're bringing in. No, this, isn't, this is what is standard, but it's how you, use, how you use these lenses with prism together. That's the new dimensionality. Okay. It's okay. making sure that detail and perspective are connected in complementarity with each other, Richard. Okay. Okay? Yep. Now, let's go, into, let's go into breath now. Breathing, very simple, in-breath, out-breath. We do this all the time. What feels more relaxed, the inhalation or the exhalation, please? The inhalation. Inhalation. So, the various movements, without going into the details, put palms up like this, breathe in, breathe out, and a very gentle motion like this. And now we go outward and down. Is that lighter, looser, upward, down? Or is that lighter, looser, upward, in? Good. Now this is interesting because the upward and in, the complementarity is upward and down. So you think of a media strip, it's a quarter turn. Know what I'm saying? So the body, even though it's straight up and down, but how does it move? How does it flow? How does it connect up? And it's not fixed in one position. But we want to make sure that the flow, whether it's horizontal or whether it's vertical, is supportive of making sure the whole body. So these movements, even though they're isolated in one sense, but they connect the whole body up in the wholeness, hence the hologram, hence the holography. Now, so it's better that way. Is that correct? Then, uh, then this one. Yes. Good. Now, I'm going to take this prism, this horizontal prism, which we had before, which was a base-in prism in the left. Now we're going to make this a base-out prism in the right, and there'll be no prism in the left because... When you put base out, because the hand's down, the hand down is indicative of base out prism. I know it's a lot of stuff, but it's really simple. Well, this is some, some stuff that you basically had to discover originally through trial and uh, error, right? Because you, you're not going to find a book that says, all right, to be a, a good eye detective, you have to see if the palms down or palms up feel better. This is stuff that you must have discovered by yourself. I, that, I, 
Yeah. That's correct. And it's my first book, but now I'm writing the manual so that it will be much more explicit of all those things. Plus, I'm going to do a videography of it so people can see it in action. Okay. Because otherwise, it's just too hard. Let's go again. And breathing, flapping the wings, and now upward. How's that feeling now? How's the breath now? Uh, Surprised, even. And that's the quantum effect. When it's even, that's just saying the in-breath, the out-breath, the inhalation, exhalation, they're in flow. Stillness, but yet dynamic. Good. Now, let's do a rotation. Nice and loose. So the donut, upward and in, and now let's go the other way. Downward and in. So the toroidal, which of those feels better, or are they both good? Yeah, the upward is a little bit better. Good. So how about like this? And upward and down. Do you like the upward down, or do you like the upward in? I like this one. Beautiful. Good. More on one side or the other, or are you happy with both? Um, that's in quite equal. Beautiful. Thank you. How you going? Yeah, all good. Fantastic. How's the body feel? Is it feeling lighter, more balanced, more present? Look, everyone's unique in this. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about the body. That's all right. You're you're involved. I'm comfortable. Now, let's rotate again. And let's rotate another way. How's that all feeling now? It's all pretty even. All pretty even. So what I'm doing, these prisons aren't just directing the physical attributes, but also the energetic attributes too. So let's look at a prism. It changes the spatial context. It moves it across, whether up or down or side or what have you. That's the physicality. But it also changes the timing. So one is a phase flow modulator. That's the timing. Or it's a spatial relocator. That's the spatial context. But when you get that time and space, here it comes again, in coherence, Boom, the body says, yep, these movements are so easy to do. I feel much better. I'm breathing better. I'm standing better. I'm more relaxed. I feel lighter. All these different things start taking place, Richard. So so one question about that. If they wear the glasses that get determined by this process and they wear them, I guess they're supposed to wear them most of the time because you, you want to keep this feeling of ease and coherence. Um, does it eventually get so that they are also less uncomfortable when they have to take the glasses off, or is that on a And a lot of people say that to me. They say, Michael, and look, everyone's different, so there's no broad brushstroke in this, but I've heard this so, so many times. My eyes don't hurt when I take my glasses off anymore, or, wow, that's so much more relaxed even when I take them off, as an example. Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that. There's always an exception, but the exception is when uh, more steps have to be made until we, through a sequence of follow-up exams, until such time everything is connected. I think one of the problems is today is is that people think you go to the optometrist, ophthalmologist, it's a one-stop place, do your thing, it's done, it's fixed, and get out. But rather some have to unfold a process until we're in the new manifestation of the possibilities that can come forward. And sometimes that's a bit of an unwinding process. Some people are 
taut like a rubber band, and we have to untie them very gently because you don't want a crash. Well, the, the the other thing that's assumed is in the standard eye doctor, you, you just know that your eyes are just going to keep getting worse and that Correct. prescriptions have to get stronger and stronger and eventually you can't see. And I'm wondering if that sequence is a totally different thing in your system. Well, this is it because it's what's happening. Vision is reflecting through the body and the body is reflecting back its information back to the visual processes, not just the eyes, but also the brain. But the eyes are part of the brain. But if those two become connected with each other in the right way, that's when things change. And invariably, in a four- to six-month period, the majority of people who come back, I can say with 98 to 99% certainty, other than there's been a major trauma of one sort or another, that prescription is going to come down rather than get worse. That's what's exciting. That's a big difference, yeah. That huge difference. So it's not exactly a flavor of the month amongst the fraternity yet, but we'll get there. Okay. Now, now, we've done this so far, and I'm just going to check back on the lenses and see how these prisms are affecting Susie and whether or not the lenses need changing or not. But we'll check that right now. So when I take this out like this, does that feel easier or harder? That's with them. Sorry. And now that's without them. With. With this good. Okay, so that was the spherical 0.25 lenses that they're staying the same presently. Now I'm going to check the Cylindrical lenses for astigmatism in the right eye. Is that one easier or harder? I will. That's easier. That's easier. Okay, that's good. Good. Now, we're going to up the ante a little bit. Now, this time we're going to do... Let's do this. This is what I call the TMD, torsional midline dynamic, but we need to do the flow of movements. And I'll show you what this is. It's a motion that goes circularly to the midline and stops, and circularly to the midline and stops. Now, that's in slow motion. When it's done in fast, I call it the Akka, the quantum Miyagi, and you'll get this. So do this. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Slowly, slow. Now you've got that. Now, okay. So he's on time. Wax on. Wax off. Is one easier to do? Does one flow better for you? Okay. Now you cross them just a little bit. Now go again. Does one feel easier? Yeah. They're both good, aren't they? That's good. So what we're doing, we're doing the dynamic and the stillness. So the stillness is the midline of the body. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking in holographic terms. And the rotational movements, the torsional movements, because light is torsional, which is interesting. It was in physics all last year. It showed it. There was an article that light moves torsionally. Very interesting. Anyway, what's good is that that stillness of being and the dynamic of doing are in apposition, not opposition. If they're in apposition, 
even though this is a very fast burst of energy, but there's a stillness of being and a dynamic of doing, so there's no mismatch whatsoever. Okay. All right, now, the whole torsional movement of the body like this. Good. Now, take about. It is one of those easy to do. It's easy, or are they both good? Good to your left or to your right? Which flows more? To the right. To the right. Let's go again. How's that feel now? That's yeah, good. good. That feels good. So, all these movements of flow. All these very fast kinetic movements, they're all being brought together. So the inculcation of stillness of being, fast, slow, posture, balanced movements, thoughts even, for example. How do you feel at this given moment? I know it's interesting, you're wearing this final headset, you're looking out this lovely window, but how's the body feel? Uh, I'm feeling like, my feet are feeling quite heavy. Like stuck on the ground. Just stuck on the ground, so you're rooted yeah, on the ground. Yeah, the rest of it's quite hard. Good. Now, is this good, or would you like it lighter in the feet, or would you like, or is this, I know it's new, yeah. but do you think this could be better? No, this is an intuitive question. Yeah. I would like it lighter in the feet, only because I feel that I could uh, go longer. There we go. And this is the Q&A. And if the question and answer is of one of unity, then the coherence will take place, you see? Question and answer is basically to make sure that the right question is going to give the right answer and then whoever is experiencing this is getting a better experience. Okay, so let's do this. Shake down. No, shake up. So it's like a jackhammer or a pneumatic drill. Which one do you like more? That one? Yeah. Good. Now, it's interesting, the habit of the half base down prism in the left eye is now changing to Plano, but a half base down prism in the right eye. Now, how do the feet feel now? <laughs> She's laughing. It's lovely, isn't it? That's great. Yeah. This is weird. Yes, it is. But it's weird physics is quantum physics. But quantum physics, that's great, Susie. I'm really pleased. No, the fact fact that we got out of touch with this is what's weird. Correct. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. You know, I, I say to people every day, there's nothing wrong with you, but wrong things have been done to you. Similar. Right. Shake up. How's that all feeling now? Yeah, yes. See? So those fast kinetic movements, acceleration, deceleration, stop. So if the body was mismatched, there would not be the right resonance, so to speak, throughout the body because that well of being, hence your column of being, would be mismatched and there would be a, a jarring, for want of a better way. Right. Now, hands, hands out to the side, shake out. Now shaking, and how's that all feel? Nice, good. Shake forward. Now shake back. How's that all feel? Yeah, well, quite even. Very nice. Now, 
Richard, how much time do we have? So I know that um, we got I, I don't want to cut you short. How much more do you think it would be? I'm happy to do more because I want to give an indication of how we can get into the realm. What we've done so far is the realm of actuality. We want to go into the realm of potentiality. Would, it, would uh, another 15 minutes do that? Yes, absolutely. Let's we'll try that. Okay. So, I want you to push your palms forward slowly, forward and back, and palms towards you, forward and back. Which flows better? Uh, this way. Good. Now, usually lenses are, you know, in the plus or minus, going up to two or three or four or something. We're going into the realm of not space-time, but time-space. Look at these beauties. Hmm, no one can see that. That's plus 90. The indication of what Susie's giving me through her body is allowing me to put these on. She won't see a thing, but we're going to load her up and then we're going to do various movements. And then based on that, the, the focus of potentiality in the subconscious, superconscious realm will become connected. And then we take all this away and let's see what happens then. It'll be fascinating. Now, you've never had this happen before, Susie, so this is totally new. Which has helped us over the last couple of years. Right, palms forward back again. Slowly. Our palms towards you. Is that lighter, looser already? I'm not saying it is, but I'm just asking. This is light. Good. Do you find the flow? Just keep your head still. Do you find the flow of movement a little easier? Yes. Good. So what we're going, this axial movement is actually the baseline for the scalar columnar energy that we're going to start interacting with. That's a bit of a quantum leap too. But what I want to make sure of is that those movements then become very light. So the light is making a person light. It's a mixed metaphor. But if it's done correctly, it will definitely have its effect. I'm loading up this, what I call PSC, which is photoscalar columns. I call these the equivalent of, I call these the equivalent to a Tesla coil, but in the photonic range. And I'm going to insert I'm going to insert those on the actual headset itself. Got it. This I affectionately call Professor Footcake Optics. So nobody walks around with these things, but uh, I'm going to pop this on. That's going to be a little heavy. Does that feel a little heavy? Yes. Good. Now, I'm going to counterbalance all that. So, I have a counterbalance. Thank you. Come here, it's a bit of an adventure. Right, right. now, arms forward, back again, please. And towards you. 
How light is that? Yeah, light. Very light. Very light. Very different yeah. to the movement before. You see what I'm saying? We're coming into the quantum still point of dynamic, as I call it, or the quantum zero subspace, where everything is meeting in a state of easefulness. Susie can't see a thing. Come across gently, I'll show you. So that's all right, I'm not going to let you go. So people can see just how funny this looks. See how that is projected out there? That's about 232 of 234 diopters in front of her eyes. Now, I won't go into the theory about this yet, but really what that's doing, it's going, it's focusing the field at such a level that it's affecting the physiology of the body. She can't see a thing, but her body feels totally light. The movements are fluid as, floppy as, and that's a good thing because then we can, here's the quantum leap again, we can get into conscious, subconscious interactions. Just to modulate a little thing here or there, boom, it shifts, then we take all this away and then we'll see how she's seen. Is this basically okay. the equivalent of so much magnification that you can't even see through it? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. Now, let's do those swinging arms again. And let's do them side to side. How's that feeling now? Does one feel easy? Uh, uh, side to side is easy. To the right or to your left? To the left. To the left. Let's go again. Up and down. How's that all feeling? Um, it's easier side to side. Still to the left? And still to the left. So the base art prism in the left is now shifting. It went to plano or ortho. And now we're going to a base in prism, which we couldn't have done before in the actuality, because now we're bringing potentiality and actuality into coherence. Let's go side to side. How's that all feeling? That's more even. More even. Mm. Can't see a thing, but the body feels more connected. Up and down, please. How's that flowing now? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Good. Now think of anything. That could be a concern for you at the moment. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say anything unless you want to bring it. This is as private or as public, <coughs> excuse me, as private or as public as you wish to make this. Is there any thought or feeling or emotion or sense of circumstance or what have you that you would like to literally or metaphorically see in a different way? Yes. Good. Ready to go? Yes. Swing arms. Mm. Side to side. What flows better, the side to side or the up and down place? Up and down. Good. Palm down or palm up? Palm down. Great. That's all right. Now we're increasing the base down prism. That's on the vertical. A step right and left. Sorry, it's a bit juice. Good. Let's do the swinging in. 
and side to side. How's that thought? How's that feeling? How's that emotion? How's the thought of all of that now? Is that much more in balance? Uh, yes, there's improvement. It's improvement. Yeah. Could it be better still? Yes. Good. Slightly or a lot? Um, well, before you even ask that question, I've noticed a big improvement. Isn't that beautiful? So um, it's a big improvement. Yeah, and, um, and it's improving, but there's a little bit more to go. A little bit more to go. See, what's so good about this is that um, this can be, as, as I said earlier on before, as private or as public as that person wants to make it. So no one's pushed into anything. This is with the utmost respect and honour of the sovereignty of that person, Richard, when we do this. Let's go up down again. How's that all feeling? That's great. That's great. Yeah. And side to side. Now, how yeah. is that thought? Would you like to bring something forward that's changed? Uh, yeah, it's, that's really interesting. It's yeah. really, I'm happy to tell you what. Good. Would you like to tell Richard? Uh, yeah, Richard, um, since late June, I've had a stronger thing here. And I've, I've done various things and physios, and it comes and goes. Yesterday, I had a, um, a pain in the back of my hand all day, and it was just irritating. Today I didn't, um, but um, as I said a while ago, I noticed this wasn't being an issue. It's not an issue all the time, um, especially at night. Um, and anyway, I, just, I could feel that it, it was almost not there and it's been decreasing, so whatever it is. Yeah, and this is, this, this is the field that's being focused right now, Richard. Right. And... Once that's focused, that's complementary with the physiology. And then the physiology can relax. And here comes the epigenetics. That aspect of the morphogenetic field is going to, through the scalar interrelationship to the very DNA itself, will start resonating. So the DNA, both as a receiver and a transponder and an emitter, will take that information as light and rearrange it because as I said earlier on before the ground of our being is consciousness and in that purity it knows exactly what to do consciousness isn't silly other than it's being affected and mucked around with yeah. but if we take the ease of that person rather than push and force and shove but rather we, we allow, enable and this is what I talk about to see and aim, to sense enable and act, then the body will activate, integrate Motivate. Well, and, and, this, and the, this whole paradigm of testing different lenses for Susie while she can't see anything, I don't think that's very common. That sounds like a unique thing that you came up with. No one does, no, no one does that. That's, right. that's, totally, that's totally totally new. Yeah. All right. You want to pull a funny thing off now? <laughs> All right. Now we're going from, now we're going from potenti- potentiality to new actuality, okay. all right? Okay. And then you'll get Susie's responses accordingly to that. Now I'm going to take these off, which is very easy to take away. I'm going to take this heavy counterweight off. So that's the conundrum. This thing gets heavy, but it's making her lighter. And I'm going to take 
this off, close eyes, open now, still terrible. Mm-hmm. Going to take this off, get oh, out. <laughs> That's really clear. <laughs> that is beautiful. <laughs> Uh, I was looking out the window, Richard, and it's just so crystal clear. And do you do you have lenses in 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 front of your eyes right now? Yes, she does. Okay, so these are the lenses that were determined. These were the ones, uh, Doctor Christian, that were determined by all the testing, right? That's correct. Okay. Now we're going to. How's that feel, Susie? Yeah, good. Now, if I take that out now, what happens now? Oh, not as clear. Not as clear. Okay, so we need those six. So that's yeah. just right, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, and, and are those lenses prisms? A very fine amount of spherical lens for, long, for long-sightedness, uh-huh. but the majority is prism lens. Okay. So how did you how did you find a lab that's going to make lenses like that? Uh, this has been a long this has been a long story, but it's, it all works. Okay, okay. It's easily done. Easily done now. In the beginning, so, you had to come up with that arrangement from scratch. We have to create a, a prism calculator, particularly for progressive or multifocal lenses, yeah. so that we put the actual prism reference points exactly in what we call the distance optical center. If they were mismatched, it would throw everything out. If they were matched, the initial conditions would be perfect. Okay, now now this is supposedly a synthetic appointment, but Susie, you're doing an incredible job. This seems pretty realistic. And it's so, real. It's real. I assume it's this is real. Now, now once she's... Once you had the enjoyment of looking through the right lenses like that, then I, at some point she's going to have to take it off and wait for the real ones to be made, right? <laughs> it's a possibility. I, I promise you I won't walk around like this. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going to... Now that you know what it feels like to be seeing the way you're supposed to, the waiting period could be uncomfortable, right, while the lab gets the glasses made. Sometimes, but not always. Okay. Sometimes there is an effect that keeps people buoyant for a few days. I've right. heard that happen. And there are other people ringing up every day, where are my lenses, where are my lenses? So how long does it take? It takes make- about five, four to five days now at the moment. Okay, that's, very not good. Too, that's not too it's bad. It's going on in the world. And if you talk to somebody 10,000 miles away as a consultant to their optometrist, what do you do because they don't have a lab like you do? Uh, yes, they do. I would be able to give them the directive where to go and what to do as far as that's concerned. Okay, okay. That's all taken care of too. That won't be hard. The company that I deal with, they're multinational, and that information can be easily um, taken to wherever it needs to go. Okay, so the local lab doesn't need to buy all new equipment and everything for that? No, no, okay. no, no. All right. Okay, great. Incredible. Now, we, we could go on. Um, let's just do just a bit close up of the reading, holding there. Now that's obviously not good yet. No. What's possible? Please. Um, easily possible. Or just possible. Or just possible. Uh, this one is. This is something. Like that. <laughs> Correct. 
How's that now? Oh, this is Ron. This is Ron in its loveliest form. Oh, here we go. How lovely these banks are now. Oh, I have you over four counties. How satisfying is the eye and the mind. Now we have reached the trees. Thinking of this. How's it? I know it's very bunched up at the top, but is it okay? Yeah, I can see all of that. That's good. I mean, there's surprise there too. So this is this is the reading card. We're getting the very top line. Okay. So the top. That looks like pretty small print. It's N four uh, N four print. So Susie's getting the N five N six very easily, and what what's in magazines is N eight, what have you, or books. Primarily, so so what, what font would that equate to, roughly? Four. Four? That's pretty small. Four. It's yeah. very small. Very small, but it's also very condensed, that one, because the figure ground is very bunched up. So there's no standardized reading card. So. Right, right, okay. But she's got that. And then, of course, being a musician, there's music on the back, and that would be very easy. That is good. That's very good. simple. Mm-hmm. I like to hold it there because that's how far away it would be. That's exactly the piano. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Really great. Wow, that was a great demonstration. And now you can get some good glasses for Susie too, which is going to be great. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to take this off. Now, close your eyes. Roll your eyes around. Just relax them. And when you're ready, you can open How's that feel? Yeah, that's good. See, there's a transference effect. Really good. Okay. A trans- so in other words, you don't take that off and make her dizzy right away. She feels not too bad. I'm not dizzy at all. Okay. No. And, um, and, and how's your vision? Clear. Clear. Even without yes. the glasses? Okay. Yes. Trainers. Not optical crutches. Trainers. That's really the question... In in optometry, uh, see, I'm not clear on the difference. Sorry if I misuse the word between optometry and ophthalmology, but I think I think I'm talking about optometry as as the people that it's make the glass. This is primary eye care to make sure that the the vision is comfortable, it's clear, right. and also the health is right. I think the ophthalmology. This is the, this is the primary. Um, complaint about glasses in general is that the people who are paying attention notice they make your eyes weaker. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're doing the opposite. Yeah. That's like really important stuff. Thank you. Yes, it is. Well, we've been doing it almost for 27 years now and um, it's amazing. And um, I'm just delighted that people who experience it do experience it very well. Do you have any cases where people do this for a long time and eventually don't need anything as far as glasses? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've done a, we've done a longitudinal study a few years ago, and we took a 5,000 or 6,000 sample uh, population out of the group. And wherever they started from, we noticed that one-third, 2,000 got out of glasses or on, on a very minimal prescription. So we didn't publish it, but it was, it was for some other project that I was working on, but that fell apart, but it doesn't matter. But the and, point and, is, and about how many years did that take? That, that, was, about a, that was about a five- to six-year process. Okay. 
okay? Yeah. That's really revolutionary, it seems to me. Mm. Well, it's been a joy. I'll say it that way. Yeah. Because people, um, it's been on the level with everybody. I, I make a bit of a joke about this, that the, you know how the bell curve, the distribution is like that? The majority of people are in that two to three standard deviations. Well, the majority of people come and see me, they're seven to eight to the right of the norm, so to speak. The curve's flattened and we're on the level. So, you know. Are you talking about their initial condition or what happens to them after they get the right lenses? What happens to them there? It's people seek me out because they want a point of difference. And invariably, they get that point of difference because we're talking from a I come from the perspective that I learned from my clients every day. It's not that, hey, I know this and I'm going to tell you. And I'm right. saying it in a, with humility in as much that the doctor is patient as the patient teaches. And this is how I've been able to develop this over the years of observation, observing. Right. Because doctor just means teacher. So the teacher is patient as the patient teaches. And we listen and talk and have a conversation. And I can tell you sometimes it's really hard. I had a lady recently, and she was literally going nuts. Poor, poor girl, 30-year-old woman with two children, her column, her column of being, or energetic, was so mismatched. It took me an hour and a half to work it out, but I didn't give up. And she said, thank you so much for not giving up. And that's the point. Right. It's not to fix time half an hour, an hour. I had to keep going, and even though I was running late. Yeah, you're not there. doing the business model of 15 patients an hour so that you can make this much money this fast. Huh? No, not at all. I don't really like that. Mm. We're doing it as a vocation. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're doing service and then figure that whatever comes of it is going to happen automatically. Correct. Ultimately, you know, I see that if you want to spread this to the most individuals to benefit as possible, you're going to have to replace yourself and start teaching teachers who teach others to, to do this work. Correct. And um, that is where I'm at now. Um, with a bit of prodding from my wife, too, it's time to really get the manual going, get the videography going, and then get the right group of people around us. to. Yeah, and even the manual, I mean, unless it's some kind of a really unusual manual, which I'm sure it is, you're going to get better results if there's hands-on teaching going along with it. Correct. And those would have to be people that you taught, at least the teachers of. That's right. To spread yourself out a lot wider. That's it. That's oh, sounds great. Okay, well, that's a perfect demonstration. Um, and for this other part that I was going to uh, read to you, it's fine for Susie to stay, too. I mean, it, it, we don't have to totally change. You know, I, I feel a lot like um, this is looking like an infomercial, you know, made to look like it's real. And I just want to let people know it's the opposite. There's no money involved. We're doing this because of the interest in Dr. Christian's work. And that's it. And it's something real that is just being shared as well as we can. And that's it. That's the whole point. That's what's going on. So to give one other aspect of this, since you like multidimensional paradigms to explain things, 
Um, yes. I'm going to read something from a, a, a viewer or listener of ours that said, well, if we came to Dr. Christian as a consultant with our own, I, I probably still should break to make sure I know the difference between optometrist and ophthalmologist, because even if you're not doing either one, most of the other people are. So I'll finish my introduction to this, but quickly, what, what's the difference? I've studied integrative medicine. I've got a doctorate of integrative medicine from Hawaii. And so I put, I try to put this all together. So right. it's, no, I know that you do, but the person who's calling you from 10,000 miles away is standing there with somebody who didn't do that typically. Sure. And if they went to an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, what's, what's the general difference between the definitions of those two? Well, usually with the ophthalmologist, it's a specialty in one particular aspect. Well, my specialty is the integration of the whole. Right. And, and that's not the norm. I'll say it that way. Okay. So they're standing there probably with one of those two specialists with them. And yeah. this, is, this is what I'm holding it over here under the lamp in the light. This is what one of, the view, one of our viewers wrote just to see what kind of a thing that you would suspect is going on here. And if you think it's a type of condition that what you're doing could help or not. Okay. Sure. This person says, and we're not going to identify them because obviously you can't do a specific prescription for somebody just right off the bat. But in a general feeling, uh, this person says, I have low pressure glaucoma. The pressure needs to stay below 10 I have been using, uh, I don't know what this word is, Lumigen eye drops um, to keep the pressure down since 2000 to 2006. And 2012, I had laser surgery to increase drainage, which I guess has to do with the glaucoma. I started to lose eyesight in my left eye noticeably in 2014. Now the middle of my vision is dark like if somebody put some dirt on the middle of the windshield on my right eye it has been getting worse this last year accelerating the loss of vision now when i look a person look at a person walking by i can see the bottom of their face but i have to look up to see their eyes on the top of their head the same thing happens while driving i have to keep my eyes moving to see the traffic lights since they are now mainly in my blind area. The glaucoma specialist um, of Cigna, oh, that's a healthcare system, what I saw, who I saw on Friday, October 9th, brought up having surgery. And this is a word she doesn't know if it's right. It's tribeculectomy or something like that. I'm sure, I'm sure it is mm-hmm. correctly where, where they create a bubble in the white of your eye on top to keep the pressure down. The doctor was concerned, though he might not be able to hit the target range of 8 to 10 eye pressure because it was much more difficult hitting that range than it would be to hit 22, 22 to 15 range, she says. And there's more complication if you get the pressure too low. I've had positive results with using 
the mini trampoline to jump on, you know, to increase the lymphatic drainage in my body in general. Then the readings are between 8 and 11, where before they were between 12 and 15. Still, since it is low-pressure glaucoma, I feel the pressure is not the real culprit, but the cardiovascular system is. My father had that surgery in his early 80s and didn't have to wear glasses afterwards, but he had all kinds of other problems. I am... I am pre-diabetic, which could affect things, and frequently have um, pitting edema in my shins, particularly on my left side. I think that having infections in my teeth have contributed also, based upon reading uh, Dr. Tennant's book, and she also says she got your book, and is working on finishing that. She's 67 years old right now. Um, and she's waiting to see what to do after getting this recommendation of surgery. So if that, I'm sorry for the long, you know, explanation there, but that's just an example of lots of people that could come with these complex situations. Oh, yeah. and, well, and, and one like that, what's the approach if they're at a distance? Uh, here, yes, look, there are multiple foci there. And when I give my questionnaire, I ask people, do you have this, do you have that? And they said, what's this got to do with optometry? And I said, listen, I'm just looking at this from a big picture perspective. But here again, as I say, I don't treat the problem, which sounds funny. I redirect the process. Yes, she's got visual scotoma. In other words, she's got lockout of her vision. Her visual fields are reduced centrally. Yes, in one side. Yes, she's got pitting edema. Yes, she's got the pre-diabetic aspect of things. And these are all being treated as isolated issues. And look, that's fine. Her physicians, come surgeons, will do what they're going to do. But what I'm looking at this is a quantum holographic energetic model so that one of the big things in glaucoma, regardless whether it's LTG, low tension glaucoma, or ankle closure glaucoma, acute, etc., one of the things is, is that the optic nerve stalk, which goes into the back of the eye, the eyeball, Usually, around that, the anatomy has short posterior ciliary arteries and veins. What happens is that the muscles around that, whether you put drops in or no drops, trabeculoplasty or not, I'm not saying these things don't work. They do. It's unique to each individual. But what is absolutely necessary is to release those rectine muscles, those um, extraocular muscles that are around that optic nerve head because those blood vessels are claudicated. In other words, they're compressed. There was a study in Adelaide, South Australia, about 30, 40 years ago. I can't remember the date, but anyway. And they put people, they, these were people who had um, glaucoma and they had massive field loss and they smoked dope. And I knew straight away that was a muscle relaxant. This lady jumping up and down on her trampoline What's going on is that she's starting to get those muscles moving, and so what's happening, there's more blood flow. But this actual aspect of which is really fascinating, in as much that visual fields started coming back in these people when they started um, putting them on automated field perimetry. This is what's amazing. So if she was, if say hypothetically, she had whoever, say an optometrist, probably preferably, for me, because we, we speak the same language from our training by and large, but if he or she was to, to be guided 
as an avatar. I would say, right, pop these prisms in, pop that in, do that, and asking all the time, what's the quality? How the eyes feel? Are they feeling more relaxed? And if they have the appropriate tonometers, in other words, eye pressure gauges, they can measure it, there may be some surprises there. Is an optometrist in her country going to have the prisms needed to do the testing? It should be there. There should be a few in the prison box. Okay. There, okay. I mean, in the, in the uh, trial frame lens box. Yes, they should be there. Okay. So, so briefly for people that are wondering, there, there are a lot of people in the world that have glaucoma. And yes. What are your insights at this point about causes and, and cures? Well, from a biochemical aspect of things, it's a vascular disease. But like with all things, as I say, in quantum holographic, everything is in the mix. How do you put it together? How do you facilitate the microvasculature? How do you facilitate the perfusion? How do you facilitate the muscle tonus and the, the interrelationship that the, the effectivity of those muscles is in a state of relaxation, not stress? How do you redirect the habituation which has been there for so long? I had one lady in just recently, and she was screaming her head off in the practice with joy. I can see for the first time in my life she was treated as an utter dummy. She's yeah. not dummy. She just could see, and her sister was with her to see the whole thing. And she said, I'm going to tell everybody. I said, that's lovely. Bless you. But, you know, I'm just pleased you're seeing. That's important. But it wasn't just that she was seeing the quality of her life. You could see almost 10 years came off her face by the end of the consultation. That's what I'm talking about. Right. And look, everyone's different. Everyone's individual. Don't worry. I have my real hard ones too. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. But those who keep coming back, sooner or later we get the right questions to give the right answers. So, right. And the usual prognosis for glaucoma, which, like everything else, is that it gets worse and worse, and then they blame it. You blame it on your genetics, and they say you're too old and things like that. Just like it doesn't have to be that way. Worse and worse. Right, right. In fact, almost everything. The prognosis in in medicine, in medicine in general, the prognosis is everything gets worse, and it's your fault for being too old. Yeah. Right, so. It's got nothing to do with age unless you're healthy. And why should you die of a disease? That sounds a bit of a funny comment. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just basically pass off? Pass off. Yeah, when you're done with this particular lifetime and you don't need this costume anymore, then that would be mm-hmm. a good time to go to your next destination, right? Absolutely. You don't have to you be know, out of it by being tortured. I, and Yeah, I think what we have, you know, if you look at this from a biblical perspective, we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and basically that's the tree of function and dysfunction. Whilst you have the tree of life, which is the consciousness of function. And the thing is, we flip-flop. We're in an an entropic system that is breaking down. Think of it the negentropy, or what I call syntropic. If it can keep on moving forward, sure, there's going to be a time we're all going to pass on. There's no doubt about that. We know that. But why can't there be a quality of looking at the functional dynamics? Stop exactly. telling people what's wrong all the time. We know that these things are wrong, but let's give them a sense of hope and give them a sense of possibility. You know, there's no such thing as blind faith. That person has to see the possibility yeah. to, be, to enable that person to activate, integrate, motivate, and go for it. You're, su- you're suggesting transitioning out of tunnel vision, which is um, really held in high esteem as a specialty 
you know, but a, and a specialty is really only reliable when the context is known, right? Otherwise, right. it can be misused really easily. And you're you're talking about changing that to a real holistic holographic approach. That's it. Pretty exciting. It well, is very exciting. Every day is an every day is an adventure. You never know what's going to happen, but you know it's going to happen. That's right. We'll get- sure some people want to talk to you so um hold on we'll say goodbye in the break here and uh thank you to both you and Susie. it was fantastic and no we, we both loved it thank you Susie. yeah Susie's gonna say- yeah thank you okay hold on just one second okay i would i would just say there goes michael christian like i usually say with the guests but you got to be in on something for the first time which is that I thought that was going to be a simulated appointment with Dr. Christian and a patient, but it wasn't. That was a real appointment. And I thought it was incredible. I hope you liked it and found it useful. Um, he tends to be really technical and not only technical in the usual sense, but esoteric in addition in that he is actually, um, I think this verifies that the experience tonight verifies that he's actually discovering and creating new paradigms that um, most doctors in his field don't use. It's basically, he's creating a new field where in most fields of medicine, there's a treatment that's understood. It's going to make you worse. It's going to cover up some symptoms that you have for the moment at the expense of making you suffer more later on. And that's so common now that it's considered normal. And I've been saying for a long time, for years, that Normal and common are not the same thing. And the danger of just using the word normal to describe what everybody's doing is that it's got a counterproductive uh, kind of programming effect. Like, you know, especially now in the world, you would say, well, if if the behavior of all these people running around the cities, burning down buildings and, you know, beating up and killing people for the sake of social justice and stuff like that, if that's normal, then we're in serious trouble. And fortunately, it's not normal. And the uh, paradigm of medicine that makes you worse every time you get a treatment, but you feel a little more comfortable while you're getting worse. If that was normal, we'd be in serious trouble too. And we're, you know, being programmed that all that is normal. But fortunately for us, it's the opposite of normal. And the body is designed to get better and better and to heal itself and to stay in great condition until you're done with a lifetime, not to get into what they uh, euphemistically call the golden years when you're in the most pain and suffering and on the most drugs than you, you could ever imagine when you were younger. That's not normal, okay? Even if everybody in the world is doing it, it's still not normal. And uh, really revolutionary breakthrough, uh, people like Michael Christian, Dr. Christian, are needed on a lot bigger scale. And a lot of them exist, you know, in places that we've never heard of and we just don't know about them. So one of the functions of Lost Arts Radio, hopefully, is to introduce you to people who are thinking, this is like thinking, really thinking outside the box. And a lot of people talk about thinking outside the box and they're not doing it. They're just thinking in a different corner of the box. To get completely outside is much more valuable if you do it in a positive way, which he's doing. And so, 
remember his book. It's I haven't read it, unfortunately, yet. I've got like 40 books waiting to read, but I want to read it. It's called In Focus, Mind and Body, and his site, microprismoptics.com.au, would be definitely worth getting in touch with. And he works with people all over the world. You know, if you can go to your optometrist or your ophthalmologist and your doctor who can deal with eyes, and you get Dr. Christian on Skype or Zoom or something at the same time, it's kind of like having both of them in the office at once. And that would be a very valuable thing to do. I think if very many of us discover the value of what Dr. Christian is actually doing, which I didn't fully grasp after the last show because he wasn't demonstrating all of it, um, he's going to be overwhelmed and way too busy. He's going to have a 50-year waiting list, and that's not going to work. So as we mentioned during the show, um, I think he's going to get into a position of having to train people, train trainers of teachers of doctors, and do an organizational structure like that that lets him spread out the benefit that he's giving people so that you don't have to live in Melbourne to, you know, fully get the benefit. You've got a trained doctor in your own area that they're a practitioner of some kind that can do the same thing. And that's, you're, you're witnessing the beginning stages, I think, of something that could grow worldwide. And you might as well benefit from it. So if you want to ask him a question or be in touch, it's microprismoptics.com com.au and you can ask him about whatever you want and and see about the details of getting an appointment i wouldn't recommend on trying to get like free consulting from him with a a 10-page inquiry letter or something but respect his time and if you want to pay for an appointment or or something like that that's the way to get in touch with him well i I think we'll be doing more with him in the future and trying to support uh, his project however we can We've got a lot of common areas of interest, and um, this is a Sunday show, as you know, and we've got a show on Saturday now that's happening every week called Lost Arts Radio Live, dealing with current events-related subjects, and uh, sometimes it's just me wanting to share some of that with you. Sometimes we have somebody else coming in and giving their perspective as well, or their particular experience that relates to the subject we're talking about. And that is Saturday afternoons, U.S. time, 4.30 Pacific time, 7.30 Eastern. And then there's a half-hour break after that one-hour show. And then we have uh, Planetary Healing Club, where we go deeper into all these aspects. And uh, it's for people that are ready to actually start working on their own physical health, getting their energy back, also working on non-physical aspects of consciousness. Because I agree with Dr. Christian that the potential of good is like infinitely more than any kind of darkness. Darkness is only illusion anyway. The good is the reality. And even the ones who get go down the dark path and get twisted and convinced that they're totally evil start serving darkness. They're all potential prodigal sons and daughters and beings of any type. They don't even have to be human. They could come back because they're made out of the same thing that we are. But in order to have the good stuff happen and have enemies turn into prodigal sons and daughters, something has to actually happen with that. And it's it's really, from what I can tell, it's in our hands to have an effect on it. If you you know you go out and try to convince people and and make them change, most of the time they don't appreciate that very much, which is true. I mean, they have the the freedom to do as they choose, but without trying to force anybody to do anything. 
if you wake up to who you are, like Dr. Christian was talking about, and in all the deeper aspects of that, do access the hidden health information, not just for eyes, but for your whole body, for your energy system, for all the energy centers in your body, and tie that to consciousness so that you upgrade your physical lifestyle and change and access some of the consciousness tools that we work with. That's what we do in Planetary Healing Club. So if you're interested in actually starting to investigate some of that work, you can join us if you want to. Uh, and that's Saturdays at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, uh, every week. We've done it every week since it started. And we've actually done all the Lost Arts radio shows every week since they started and haven't missed them yet. And the Planetary Healing Club is for you if you want to go deeper into it. And we're all there. I'm there. Doug's there. Where It's all interactive every week. It's exciting stuff, and it's in a non-censored environment. We can go as deep into it as you are ready and brave enough to do. So that's that. And then to keep us on the air... Since we're doing all these things, we're not getting paid for the virtual infomercial we just did with Dr. Christian because we're believing in what he's doing. It's got a great spirit to it. And all the things that I recommend are not for the sake of getting paid. They're for the sake of letting you know, look, this seems like a really good thing. And if it turns out not to be, then, then I'll come on the air and say, well, I've discovered this and this and this about it. That's not so good. And maybe you should do this instead. None of that's you know, being paid now and I don't foresee it in the future uh, because it's got to be honest. So to keep us on the air if you want to um, and if you've got the means, you can donate to try to help our work through the nonprofit that runs everything that we're doing. Uh, there's a donate button at lostartsradio.com also at lostartsresearchinstitute.org that's a nonprofit. There, Go to the same place. And uh, subscribe star. Doug set up a, a page there. Subscribestar.com slash uh, Lost Arts Radio. And, and that always reminds me to uh, encourage you to subscribe to us for free on Brideon.com uh, because that's a non-censored platform that uh, you'll be able to find us on regardless of what happens. I think they're going to be still be there. Brighton, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. And you can get notifications of all the shows there. And our main uh, site, lostartsradio.com, which has links to all the live and the recorded shows on it. There's hundreds and hundreds of uh, videos that we've already done. But the main thing is staying up with the current ones because they're up to date. And they're connected to what's going on in the outside world, or at least aware of that and in the right context. So support us. Make sure you don't miss our shows. Tell other people about us because we're shadow banned on most of the major platforms to some degree. And most people in the world don't know we exist yet. You can help us change that if you want to and let other people know. And uh, bottom line, basic message is, Learn everything that you can of how to take care of yourself better. Uh, open up consciousness, get your health and energy back. Uh, learn the forbidden knowledge of all these things and use it. You fix yourself, it's going to automatically affect everybody else. And you have vastly more ability to do that than any of us have any idea right now. So take advantage of whatever time we've got to do this. And uh, it's not too late no matter what's going on. So thanks for being with us and for sharing the virtual appointment, which turned out to be real with Dr. Christian. Stay in touch. Uh, let us know what you think of the shows. 
what you want for future guests or topics, or if you want to be in Lost in uh, Planetary Healing Club, you can suggest what we cover in there, and um, it gets more and more exciting. So take care of yourself and uh, have a good week. We'll see you next time. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on two YouTube channels, Facebook Live, Periscope, which is Twitter, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channels at Lost Arts Radio and at Diamond Disc. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. 
Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. If you need someone to talk to, hey baby, won't you talk to me? If you need someone to listen, you know you can always count on me. I can keep a secret, you can tell me what you want Whisper what you're thinking, I'm never gonna talk Cause I know that loose lips, they sink ships And I wanna stay afloat Nothing to fix, if nothing is ever broken Someone to lean on Hey baby, you can lean on me If you ever need to cry some You know that you're always safe with me You don't have to worry I'm never gonna judge You can be yourself here There's nothing here but love Loose lips, they sink ships And I wanna stay afloat Nothing to fix If nothing is ever broke